Welcome, and thank you for joining us for part two of the Root River Anthology, written and directed by Catherine Glynn, co-produced by the Commonwealth Theatre Company, Lanesboro Arts, and Art, Audacious Raw Theatre. Featuring the music of Eric Carranza, the sound design of Josiah Laubenstein, and the voices of your favorite Commonwealth Theatre and Art Ensemble members. Please enjoy part two of the Root River Anthology. We last left off with the town battling it out over the phone booth. Well, things have cooled down a bit since, but life is still simmering, and Joyce Knutson Eversley is still seething. Morning, Joyce. Shut it down, Bert. Well, it's not really something we can shut down. People can either go in or not go in. It's their choice. We don't own it or control it. It's a menace. It sends the wrong message. If you don't shut it down, tear it down, I will. Well, now, I don't know that you can rightly do that, Joyce. This is our private property. Albert Isaac Knudsen, you shut the thing down. Just because you tend the land. Daddy and Mommy wouldn't approve of this. I grew up here, too, you know. I raised a child here, and I say it goes. Well, I say it stays. And the land is mine. You gave it up. You signed the papers, and you know that. I love you, Joyce, and I respect your beliefs, but not everyone in a town believes the same things. We have to create space. Can't you just look at this like it's a miracle? A miracle? Bert, that's it. I have had it with you, brother. The river dumping this thing on your land is not God's way of talking to you. It's opening the gateway to hell. Talking to spirits. Jerry's going to take this thing down, and if he doesn't, I will. Tomorrow. That is not going to happen, Joyce, and you know it. This whole thing is not a gateway to hell. It's just people finding a place to talk, to work things out. It's like a confessional. A confessional? How dare you? That very notion. (sighs) You've lost your way, Bert, you and Nan. Nan, how can you stand by and watch this? Oh, Joyce, come in, please. Come have some coffee or tea. Let's talk. No, thank you, Nan. Now's not the time for talk. No, perhaps now is not the time for talk. Ah, here comes Father Ed O'Keefe. He always has a way of setting things right. The man is fit as a fiddle and still quite handsome. And his voice, well, I'll let you be the judge of that. Good to see you, Joyce. Everything okay? Her issue is with me, Father, not you. Okay, then. Do you mind if I... Oh, of course. Father, be our guest. I mean, go on in. I'll leave you to it. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. The other night, dear, as I lay sleeping, I dreamed I held you in my arms. When I awoke, dear, I was mistaken, so I bowed my head and cried. Please don't take my sunshine away. Please don't take my sunshine away. How was it, Father? Bert, you know better than to ask what goes on in the confessional, even if you are a Lutheran. Hmm, there's something special about Lena Alfstadter Mahler. Her family has been here longer than the Hasslers. Her great-great-grandmother, Sigrid, 
immigrated from Norway 150 years ago. Her grandmother, Astrid, ran the school for years. She and her kin possessed deep roots and faith, <laughs> unlike others, any other I've ever seen. I'll bet they'll be here for generations yet to come. Lena, how's the farm? We're hanging in there. I'm so grateful our land is so high up, but I could use a little... I don't know. Sure. Sure, go ahead. That's what it's here for. You know something about the power of water, don't you? You had to cross an awful lot of it to get here. Did you ever imagine that one of your great-great-granddaughters would be eager to talk to you? To discover your secret for persevering through hardships that fall one after another like dominoes? All my life I heard stories about how you came here from the land of warriors, drawn to the dream of America. Did you trust that God would save you against all the odds? Three harrowing months on the ocean, but the winds didn't defeat you. The swell of water didn't overtake you. This flood is about all I can take. I can't fathom the whole wide ocean. Brave, resilient, warrior woman. I can't imagine the kind of faith you possessed. I live in your house, with my young tribe. I walk your paths. I look out your windows. I climb the ancient staircase. How did you do it? The cooking, cleaning, sewing, serving, washing, candle-making, canning, mending, egg-gathering, gardening. You survived it all. I could use a bit of your strength now. Far downstream, the future of Lena and her line. Britta, a distant grandchild right now, just a twinkle, just a flash on the water. But tomorrow is here so fast that if you listen for just a moment, you can hear it on its way. See your mother. See your father, sisters, and brothers. See the line of your people. We once worshipped gods and goddesses of thunder and steel, fertility and love. In the beginning, there were only native forests and wastelands. We return to the wasteland to be reminded. Your faith replaces the old, but the power remains. The belief in life everlasting. Do the names matter then? If the faith and goodness and the belief in the eternal stays the same? Astrid Alfstotter the first child born in a new world. Astrid was the grandmother of Lena. Like a bridge between places, she learned the old ways and the new. I leave you, my daughter, daughter of my daughters, with more questions than answers. You carry me forward in your blood and belief. I am always here. I reside within you, in the very water of your veins. Now you must swim in that knowledge. I give you my word, you will not drown. Hello, girls. Hello, Lena. Hello, Hello Lena. Lena. The Laidlaw girls, back to practice. Why, they've been gathering most mornings waiting for the right moment to call to their sister and sing her home.
girls, would you mind if I... No, Bev. No, Bev, go ahead. Yeah, we were just practicing. Bev Carlson and... uh, uh Uh-oh. Tanner Sayers as well. These two... uh, The past can be so tricky. Uh, Like a shattered glass. Sometimes the deepest cuts can come when everybody's trying to pick up the pieces. What are you doing here, Tanner? What are you doing here? I just... I. Who do you talk to? Oh, Tanner, this... I can't do this. I can't see you. I have to go. Who? Who do you talk to? You. You, Tanner. The only person in this world I long to talk to that intimately is you. Joyce is back, and she is geared up for war. Now, I believe that's a sledgehammer in her hands, and I do think that the telephone booth is her target. Albert! Albert! You come out here now! I'm tearing this thing down! Whoa, Joyce! A sledgehammer? What's that? It's a bench. For you. I thought you could sit here, and if people would rather talk to you, or anyone who fancies a sit, they could. Hmm. Bert, you know I pray for you, right? I do it because it's what I believe in. What gives me comfort, grace, and strength. This world... This world is turning upside down. My world has come apart. Felt like everything I had washed away with the river. I think it's fair to say it did. But my faith can't be washed away. I have control over that. And when I turn to God, God gives me strength and resolve that no human being has ever provided for me. I want to be a human that can do that for others. I know I get carried away with the rhetoric sometimes. Blasphemy can just just be a fun word to say. Come sit with me, Bert. For all my debating, this is what I do best. When I am quiet and receptive, that's when I'm at my best. And I give what he provides. Space. Space so wide, a whole lifetime of hurt can slip in. And get washed away. Washed in the blood of the (laughs) lamb. Or the root. Or whatever. Thank you for giving me space. Thank you for my bench, Bert. Nan, would you like some space? Hello, Joyce. That bench suits you. Uh, Don't mind me. I am just, um... Uh, Go go ahead. ahead. The sound inside the phone booth grows for Nan, like she never experienced in life. A constant, small presence at the back of her mind. With each passing day, the land absorbs the water, and somehow, gosh, it feels like we've been washed. In what, I can't really say, but somehow we feel cleaner, and lighter, and brighter, like this one here. Even with the weight Caroline gains each day, her steps somehow grow lighter. Caro's brought Jay's best friend, Tyler Banks, who served beside him in the Middle East, up to see if he can work through a few things. Go on, Tyler. It'll do you good. Bert told me you hate this thing, Joyce. I'm just giving it space now. Makes sense to me. Care to have a seat? Thanks. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but when Caroline went to the booth, she said the talking to Jay felt good. Like somehow she connected with him, but... Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe in anything anymore. I'm broken. I drink too much. I'm on the road to becoming the town's next tanner. I hate AA. I hate any kind of support group. Hi, Jay. I've seen too much. I've hurt too many. I've killed people. Joyce, how can anything or anyone redeem me? 
It's not necessarily our job to do the redeeming. But for what it's worth, I am grateful for your service. And I am so sorry Jay died. Your ears must have been burning, Tanner. Something on me is always burning these days. Mind if I sit? What do you say, Tyler? Do we make space for him? I was just unloading on Joyce. She's always been good at that. When she isn't yammering on herself. Don't let me interrupt you. No, I was just holding a pity party. About to tell Joyce how my dad beat me. Mom ran off. I think that's why Jay and I bonded, and why we ran into the service. Otherwise... Otherwise... I don't know what would have become of me. Caroline told me to come up here and unload, but the phone booth just isn't my style. Ah. Know who I've been talking to in there? I've had several conversations myself. Have you now? With Bev, for one. I've hurt Bev more than any man could hurt a woman. And now, well, now she won't even talk to me. She won't look at me or spend any time near me. If I step in the bar, she steps out. No, in fact, she runs out. Practically ran away from me the other day. I terrified her. I just lose it sometimes. She's the only person who ever truly cared about me. And I forced her out of my life. I am a drunk. I am reckless. And I have no one to forgive me. When I went into that booth last time, I asked forgiveness from someone I killed in the service. Do you think Jay would hear me? Because he didn't hear me. He didn't hear me yelling his name. I heard the whistle of the IED, but he didn't he didn't have a goddamn clue. He had his headphones in. I'm sorry. Joyce, I'm sorry. I yelled. I ran. I'd have taken his place. I even tried to pick up the pieces of him. Now what's this boy gonna do without him? He'll have a few role models like us. It's about time we pieced ourselves back together, isn't it? I'd best be asking the living for forgiveness in person. You two take care now. You know, I'm going to take off too, Joyce. Thanks for letting me unload on you. I think I'm going to walk by the river for a while. Hey, Noah. It's good to see you. Oh, here comes Noah Kendall to the booth. Never thought I'd see him down here. Quiet, calm, steady, a man you'd want at the tiller during a storm. Noah, how are you faring these days? <laughs> Seems like your name would have served you well. <laughs> oh, my land is fine. Being up on the hill saved me, but I, I feel like I'm wading through mud most days. Tell me about it. Oh, wait, look, shh. Ozzy Eggerman, the most, the most fascinating, fascinating man. Cap and coat, bag, lunch, and a cigarette. That man is like a cat. The smallest, most subtle moves. Nobody can take their eyes off him. And not one of us knows his story. Have you ever heard him speak? Not once. I need to whisper when he comes around. Me too. Is he eating his lunch in there? He is. <laughs> Fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> oh, his silence astounds me. It makes me think of a monk. Did you know I wanted to be a minister back in the day? I did not. Hated the call, only to have the church shun me. That's a bold word in these parts. What do you mean shun you? I'm gay, Joyce. Well, I know that, Noah. I mean, I hope you don't mind my saying this. I think everybody knows it. <laughs> Did you know Bert's and my... Charlie was... Charlie? Well, weren't they... Well, didn't Charlie... Yep. Most complex human I've ever known. 
I love Charlie so much. What happened? I heard... I'm sure you heard right. Uh, may I join you? Yes, you may, Nan. You know Noah. Of course. How are you, Noah? Something about this flood has brought up a desire to volunteer for the lay ministry down the road. So? What's stopping you? I'm afraid they may not have me. Every time I think God's not going to bother me anymore, every time I let it go, he keeps coming back around and confusing me. I don't want to be confused anymore. But sure enough, these waters have muddied my mind. So many people are in need right now, and I just want God to leave me alone. Do you know how many times I tried to follow my heart? It's a calling, people said, but it was more than that to me. When I was young, I befriended the new kids. I gave sermons in high school. In college, I worked on campus leading ministries, church services, and youth groups. All my life, I've listened. I prayed, laughed, and cried alongside people who were confused like me. I made a difference in their lives. But when I pursued the call, do you know what they said to me? The church does not condone your work if you are actively gay. You can come out, but if one person in our congregation is against it, we are powerless to stop the council from firing you. Actively gay? <laughs> Just by my very living and breathing, I am actively gay. What if your call is to just be who you are? Lead by example. I am who am. I think that's the real call. Just to be. Like, um, nature. The river. Like God. Like, like Stephen. Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Silent Stephen. Hasn't spoken since the other flood. There was one when he was, uh, three years old. Well, the story is the cascading waters took his words... But they left his grandfather's hardanger fiddle right smack dab in his hands. It's been his voice ever since. Well, if listening is the ticket, here's a story for you. Do you hear the local lore about me getting knocked up when I was 16? <laughs> I'd be surprised if you hadn't heard that. The way people talk around here. My parents gave us the choice to get married and raise the child here in their home or to give it up for adoption. I cannot tell you what it was like to be a child myself and give birth. I felt this push and pull of shame and righteousness all throughout my pregnancy. <laughs> a sense of shunning indeed. I held my head high those nine months. I never married Karin's father. He ran off and got himself killed in the service. I dove into the church with such fervor to prove I was good, to prove others wrong. I told people I was called to be a mother, called to be a Christian. I believe that I was, but I had no idea how to do either of those things. I botched it up so many levels, Noah. Sixteen years later, history repeated itself, and I gave my daughter Karin the same choice. Only she gave up her child. Before she left, she told me I was a horrible mother, a horrible that she would mother. never, not in, never, a not in a million years, would I repeat the same mistakes, mistakes I made. made. Karin left the valley. She pulled herself up by the bootstraps. Got her GED, went on to college, on to be a veterinarian. She didn't speak to me for years. Was her heart, though, when she heard about the rain and the flood, she came down to help me and my new husband, Jerry. She told me 
she forgave me. I forgive you, Mama. And that I was a good you mother. You are a very good mother. Then she went out to try to save our prize calf. Only to get her foot lodged beneath the fence. I love you. By the time I got to her, she was... I'm gonna go get that calf. Gone. Her red hair fanning. Like that painting of, uh, uh, of, of, uh, uh, Ophelia. <laughs> I howled and howled. Then once the rain stopped, my tears did too. I realized she gave me something. She told me she loved me. I love you. She forgave me. And now I'm spending my days doing my best to be. Just to be for other people. I like the idea of not having to do anything at all. To just be. To just be me. Well, that's how I roll. Slowly but surely, life has begun to regain its steady current. But there are still a few loose ends here and there that need some tidying up. Mm -hmm. Evening's falling, and the waxing moon's arising. Nan is still making her way back to the booth each night. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the ones we lose that stay with us forever. I see you watching me, Bert. You don't have to hide. Do they answer, Nan? You know how I'm trying to reach, don't you? I'm so sorry I never could. Uh, hush now. We just weren't meant to have children. And that's as it should be. You've been a mother to this town. But I do wonder. I would like to know. Do they speak? Only in my dreams, Bert. Only in my dreams. The next day's sunrise over the bluffs continues to be as glorious as ever. You know, nothing remarkable is happening. Other than the delicate and inexplicable flow of life, the eagles soaring overhead and diving now and again for fish to feed their young, the daily conversations which are now taking place with a little more ease, a little more directness, Thanks to the booth and the bench. The hollyhocks and heliotrope are making their way through this rich soil. Though, truth be told, the soybeans and the corn won't stand much of a chance this year. By late May and early June, farmers in the northern end of the floodway got into their fields, assessed the damage, and began to think about planting other crops. The sales barn, thankfully, continued to thrive, and life goes on even when it feels like it should stop. And new folks continue to make their way down to us, like Maggie O'Connor. Here it goes, what do I have to lose? I hope you're home today, but what do I say? Why didn't you want me? No, that's not it. Hello? Ugh, no. Hi, I'm your daughter. You know, that one you gave up? Oh my god, what am I doing? This is so hard. When I was little, mom and dad said that if you'd been able to get to know me, you would have cherished me like they do. They said you had your story, and that someday I may hear it, and... They told me you were young and didn't understand that leaving me would be a mistake you'd regret for the rest of your life. But is that true? Do you ever think about me? Oh, I've spent years thinking about you. I, I like thinking a part of you loves me without even knowing me. Whether you raised me or not. Your blood flows through me, and I feel you, every day. I have to believe a part of you loves me, like, like I love this place. Driving down into the valley, I felt like I was entering a fairy tale village. 
the bluffs, the river, the trees, the churches on the hilltop. This town is so small. I like small. I think I would have liked growing up here. Not that my life hasn't been good, it's been, it's been very good. Oh, okay. I'm ready now. I hope you're home. I hope I look like you. Oh, I keep trying to imagine your face. I hope you love to read and, and swim and oh, hate math. Oh, it doesn't matter. None, none of that matters at all. I think I'm gonna like you. I hope you like me. Hi, my name is Maggie O'Connor. Uh, I'm looking for my mother, Karen Knutson. I, I was told this was the Knutson residence. Do you know her? Oh, honey. I'm, I'm guessing you're not her. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm, I'm sorry. I like, I, I didn't mean for that to like be rude or anything. Oh no, no, no. That's fine, dear. I, uh, oh, hang on, Bert. Hang on. What is it? Oh, look. Well, hi there. Come on in. Nan? Do we uh, know each other? What can I do you for? Well, my name is Marguerite O'Connor. Most people call me Maggie. This was, this is the original address for my, my birth mother. I think she lived here at some point. Karin, Karin Knutson. You look just like her. Oh, she's dead. Nan! I I'm sorry, I just... Uh, what, what, do you, what do you mean? I, we, we are your great aunt and uncle. Oh, honey, I am so sorry. We are so sorry. Oh, let us take you over to your grandmother's place so she can tell you. Oh, my, she, she is going to adore you. Oh. Oh, can I? What do you mean? When did she die? What what happened? Oh, can I? Can, like, may I sit? Oh, oh of course. Of honey. course. Please sit. Sit down. We'll call, we'll, we'll call ca your. We'll call Joyce. Yes. Oh. I. I am so sorry. I. Oh, Maggie. <laughs> you look just like your mother and your grandmother. She is truly going to love you. A mutual admiration society. Yeah, that used to be a catchphrase back in the day. That seems to be what's happening here, right now. People mutually admiring one another and creating space for all the differences. You know, the fact of the matter is, our town, for as much as the face of America is changing, is still pretty homogenous. Settled by the Norwegians and the Irish, and even they found a way to segregate themselves at one point. <laughs> Thankfully, Matteo Casal made this his home. He's a poet and a musician of the first degree. Hola, mamá. ¿Cómo están? I've written a poem I want you to hear.
The beauty of the world lies in the diversity of all of its people. And our differences are our strengths. And the Laidlaw girls are about ready to sing a song of their own. A chance to sing a sister home. Music takes time and folds it in on itself. Brings the lost back, if only for a moment, and, and it sends the lingering home at last. Ready? Ready. Ready. Wait! I held your hand as long as I could, Ada. We made that chain and hung on. I think it was me who broke the chain. I slipped in the mud. I'd let you go. I knew you were here. I knew you wouldn't leave us like that. We all feel you now, but it's time for you to let go. It's not fair to keep you here just for us. Everybody ready? We're going to sing you home, Ada. There's a sense of normalcy being restored among us, but then again, what is normal? I spent a great many days pondering that very question, and before we move on, before the sun goes down again, before I go, there's a conversation I've been meaning to have myself. Brother. What's it? Charlie? You're here. I knew it. I knew all along it was you I felt. I've been waiting for this. For your call. Shall we sit instead? Joyce would probably prefer that. <laughs> yeah, she would. <laughs> Charlie. Bert. I have to know. And so you will. Did you fall, or did you jump? Before I answer that, may I ask you a question? All right. Why does that matter? Dead is dead. But... Hey, hear me out. The why or the how of it doesn't remove the power of it, does it? Loss, death, comes to us all. And like our entrance into this world, kicking and screaming, that's how a great many of us go, too. I made an active decision, Bert. After years of thinking and suffering, I exercised my free will. Somewhere along the way, someone or, or a group of someone said that wasn't appropriate or, or kind or right. But Bert, what is right? And who's to say that for another? I left you in the lurch. I know that now. And to some degree, uh, I knew that then. The thing is, the waves of exhaustion and sadness that washed over me time and time again, well, it just felt like the river could wash that away permanently. It, it could carry me home. Never in a million years did I aim to hurt you, Bert. You, Joyce, Mom, or Pop... I'm sure they envisioned me living to my 90s, like they did, and, and, and you and Joyce will, but, but what about the misery they faced? Or the misery of Cousin Nell? 
the day-to-day disappearance of the woman she once was. Uh, I'm not saying I'm right, and, and brother, I'm sorry beyond belief that I hurt you like I did. My intention was never to hurt you, but to release myself from the hurt that had no name, but invaded my body and my brain in a way that nothing could cleanse. Nothing could cleanse the thought of wanting to start over, to return to the ebb and flow of pre-mortality. Here, I watch you from afar, but you always feel me near. Here, I find pleasure I never knew in my earthly form. Can you ever forgive me for taking that back? Or would having me alive, in misery, beside you, be the better gift? I am with you, Bert. We all are with you. The town, the river, the waters, still and will always flow. This I know. Well, now that you've waxed poetic and all, Charlie, it's my turn to speak. Left me in the lurch? The lurch? When you died, you left me, us, all of us, to drown in sorrow. And I wasn't sure how to swim anymore. I always knew you were in pain. We all knew it. And we all have pain. God damn you! God damn! I recognized the pain you felt was particular and partial, like you had some kind of extra exposed nerve, the kind Doc Colfax used to say Mom had in her teeth. I just wish I could have saved you, comforted you, but I don't know how to forgive you. You don't have to forgive me. But I want to. I think you think somehow it was about you, Bert. Everyone did. But the thing is, it wasn't about anyone but me. Well, that's what makes it so damn selfish, Charlie. The thing is, Bert, when you're depressed, it's exactly like drowning. People think you need to flail your arms and reach for help. But, but drowning isn't anything like that. It's a conservation of all that's precious. It's, it's distilling everything you have in order to survive. And then... There is an epiphany, and you realize you aren't going to make it. So you surrender. The water rushes in and fills your lungs, and all that pain washes away. And for a moment, I almost thought I could breathe like a fish. And so I purposefully took in more water. And then sedation was so sweet, so freeing. I felt so, so light. For the first time ever, I was light. Look, I'm, I'm sorry my surrendering hurt you so much. But it was the only way I could actually save myself or what was left of myself. I don't think I'll ever understand that, Charlie. I hope you never do. <laughs> I am glad as hell I have this time with you. Does Joyce know you're back? I think she may suspect it, but I doubt she'd ever speak of it to you or or anyone. I sit with her most nights on that bench. Occasionally, she speaks of me. No real direct address to speak of. Yet. (laughs) But we both know she seems to do best connecting with warm-blooded creatures like herself. And so it goes... We're glad to have this time with you. And, well, we ask you to forgive us if in any way we've offended you. We figure we'll give you about five months to move on, and then perhaps if we did offend, you'll make your way back round to us. Like the fish. Remember the fish? (laughs) Anyway, here in the Valley of Love and Delight, the gentle flow of the Root River has been restored. For now. Shops are thriving. Farmers have had some help from FEMA, and more importantly, from their friends. The children in town did a real nice job singing between the babble of the river, the lowing of the beasts, and the occasional bickering or bar fight. Life here is good. The booth still stands, 
people can often be seen coming or going, well, just sitting on the bench. All in all, life here isn't bad. Hello? It's for you. Thank you for joining us for the Root River Anthology. This work would not be possible without the vital contributions of the following community members. Paul Hammon, Ruth Ferran, Julie, Isabel, and Daniel Ekstrom, Rachel Coonley, Josiah Laubenstein, Eric Carranza, Jerome York, Elizabeth Dunn, Blake Norby, and Maren Anderson Johnson of the Torgerson Center for Nordic Studies at Luther College. Lastly, we wouldn't be able to do this work without you, our patrons. Thank you for joining us, and please consider telling your friends about this work and making a donation to either the Commonwealth Theatre Company, Lanesboro Arts, or both. Our collaborations will continue. Thank you for your patronage. Hello? Polly, it's for you. Jeez Louise, I can't believe this! I, Polly, I'm here. Thank you for calling. I love hearing the sound of your voice. But the funny thing is, is that you didn't need that phone to call me. You're right. I was felled by a tree. I never imagined that that's how my life would end. How could I? How could anybody think of a, a death like that? It's like out of a, a storybook or something. I remember hearing and commenting and, and telling the children, I said, do you hear that? It's like the trees are singing, groaning. And it began to rain. Lucy was trying to get everybody inside. And I just, I, I tarried. I dilly-dallied. It smelled so good. There was some sort of scent in the air that it just, it was beautiful. It reminded me of back home and I, I missed my home so much. You know, and John and Stefan and they, they went off, they went off to the big city and they left us there with the children. And I, I tell you, I tell you, Polly, I was mad. I was mad at the time. And it's as if, I got more angry and then I could hear those trees singing and then there was a snap and a bolt of lightning and the next thing I knew, I was looking down at myself. The tree was on top of me. My hand, it was reaching out. Oh, God love her, Lucy. Lucy came running, running and screaming and dragging and pulling my hand and I just kept saying to her, you know, not gonna be any use. I'm sorry, Lucy. I'm up here. I'm above you now. I'm free. I'm free. I can see the whole expanse of this farm. I can see where this world is going. I, <laughs> I can see the past and the present and the future and I will not see children grow up in the flesh but I'll see them from afar yes Polly I am the one who gets saved from the dynamite I moved it just so and do you know why it's because you moved my gravestone you you had a twinkle in your eye I'm sorry if I ever scared you 
and I am sorry I never saw my children in the flesh grow up. But oh, I'm not sorry that I'm here. I'm not sorry that I'm here experiencing all of this. But the thing is, now that you have caught, everyone in my family is dead now. I do want to go home. I'd like someone to sing me home because I'm tired of hovering here. I'm sorry I won't be answering you back after this, Polly. But I sure am grateful that I had this whole If you'd like to create your own phone booth monologue and collaborate with us on the making of the Root River Anthology Part 3, you can find more information at lanesboroarts.org backslash calendar. Under the event, the artists are present, a virtual masterclass. <laughs>